11 Personnel is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Rams fans, we're getting down to it. There's only two more chances to see the Rams play in the Coliseum. The next one is this coming Sunday night against the Seattle Seahawks. Big game. Game time will have you covered. They already have tickets on sale. It's such an awesome app. You can go in and see exactly where you're going to be sitting when you click on the ticket offer. They've even updated the Coliseum. I looked this morning. They have the renovated Coliseum so you can see if you're going to have any kind of obstructed view, if you're going to be sitting in the end zone. Whatever it is, you can check it out right away and buy your tickets with two easy taps. It can't get any easier than that game time app is simple quick and easy to navigate so download that game time app in the google play or app store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60 percent off Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer, joined by Jake Reiner of CBS2 Los Angeles. We are going to recap for you a Rams victory. Uh, So that's, uh, I'm sure it's a very pleasant Monday, certainly more pleasant than than the last few for for all you Rams fans out there still in the playoff race. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And uh, things are about to get very interesting, even with tonight's Monday night game between Seattle and Minnesota. Definitely one for Rams fans to watch. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about maybe who you should cheer for in that game because I have some pretty uh, strong opinions about that. So, Jake, how are you? Did, did you get some sleep? We, we both got back from, from that long, arduous trip from Arizona. We, we both made it back last night, and, and that's always nice to be able to do. But uh, it wasn't a real exciting uh, Rams game, I guess. It was kind of felt business-like to me. They, they did what they needed to do. But uh, how, how did you feel once you had some time to process that game? I mentioned it last Last night on the on our broadcast that it was probably the most complete game that they played and it was business like but at the same time it was also you had the thought of man if they could have just done some of these things throughout the entire season we may be looking at a different record and we may be a little bit more comfortable in the playoff race than we are now. We're kind of, or they're kind of sitting in a, in a spot where they kind of have to wait and see what happens with Minnesota, the Monday night game, and the record is seven and five. And I even asked Coach McVay the night before the game, this, this team isn't a, a seven and five team, in my opinion. I think the record is a little deceiving when you take a look at this at this team, especially on paper. And then when you see them do what they did last night, you're like, okay, this is the team I was seeing on paper. This is what I expected to see throughout the whole season. Yeah, I, I, when you say it's, it's, it doesn't look like a 7-5 team, I mean, you look back at, at a couple of the losses, and we're not breaking any ground here. We've been saying this all year, but I mean, you talk about a one-point loss to Seattle. You talk about that that Tampa Bay, that wild game, you, you know, the Pittsburgh game that, that was close that could have could have been won. And look, every team can do this. Every organization can look at cherry-pick two or three games and say, you know, those should have been wins instead of losses. But but yeah, it doesn't feel that way. And, and Jake, to me, that's why you know I, I have a hard time Sometimes on, on social media, even I go back and forth uh, in, in my own head from between saying, oh, gosh, you know, the season's over. But then you look at it and go, well, you know, I mean, they, they could win three out of their last four and Minnesota loses a couple. Um, so I, even I have trouble kind of processing it and, and deciding whether or not this is a lost season or, or whether or not uh, Rams fans should still have hope. But but I think everybody agreed coming into to yesterday that that was absolutely uh, the one that the Rams had to have given the circumstance, given the opponent, uh, given everything. And, uh, you know, the Arizona came in at three, seven and one. So uh, they obviously have not been having a good season, but they've been competitive uh, of late. Uh, they, they played the 49ers pretty well. I, I think they had their last three losses by a total of 16 points before yesterday. So 
It's not like they, they've been getting just blown out of the water by every team. But, Jake, it still had that feel. And even you and I talked in the press box uh, right before the game. And we said, you know what? It, it, when you look at it, this is a game that the Rams should win handily. I mean, it should have been a kind of a four-touchdown victory. And, and that's what it ended up being. And I, and I guess when I say business-like, that's kind of what it felt like to me. You know, that that was what I expected from them in a way. And, uh, and that's what they, they went out and did. But you still have to do it. But uh, it kind of, you know, to me, it, it kind of felt like the the old time Rams. You know, you, you got to the to the end of the third quarter and you said, well, the game's over. You know, there's not a whole lot to, to watch anymore unless you're interested in, in Blake Bortles. So, Jake, the sense I got from the locker room, I didn't get a, a real sense that, you know, people were patting themselves on the back or, you know, oh, everything's fine now. I, I think they kind of took it in stride and said, yeah, you know, we, we did what we needed to do today and, and still a lot of work to come. So did, did you pick up anything different or what was the sense from, from the guys that you talked to? I think when you compare last week's locker room versus this week's locker room, completely different, night and day. I think that this week's locker room was a, obviously a lot looser. Guys were feeling a little bit more relaxed after the game, kind of a sigh of relief type of collective sigh of relief feel. Because even though we expected them to win this game handily, there was the thought in the back of your mind, I certainly had it, where I thought, well, we, we expect them to dominate this team, but they've not really shown that they could do that this season yet. There was a couple of games, maybe the Cincinnati game or the Atlanta game, where it was a little more convincing than the average game this year. But even those games, it wasn't, it wasn't like wire to wire. You thought, okay, this, this is going to be you know, a Rams victory, no doubt about it. And even in the beginning of the game yesterday, where the Rams looked really comfortable on offense in the first quarter, they got down in the red zone on consecutive drives. One of them, they kicked a field goal. Another one, they tried to kick a field goal and missed it. And you kind of thought to yourself, oh boy, is this what we're going to be seeing for the next, you know, for the rest of the game? So while we expected them to, this team should blow this team out of the water. I still thought that I needed to see it before I need, you know, I needed to see it to believe it kind of, kind of a thing, because what they've shown us this year has not been, has not been what we saw last night. Right, and especially coming off that that Baltimore game too, and every team is different, every quarterback is different, but everybody saw the kind of trouble that the Rams had with Lamar Jackson, and look, Kyler Murray's not Lamar Jackson right now, and even you compare the two styles of games, there's there's some differences. I mean, Lamar's just a complete package right now, but it did put the thought in your head, like, hmm, you know, if they had that much trouble with Lamar Jackson, you know, what are, what are they going to do with Kyler Murray? And we'll get into that a, a little bit later because I definitely want to talk about. Uh, the defense, but but they did a very nice job uh, on Kyler Murray and, and that entire offense, and that to me, in in a lot of ways, was more impressive than than anything that they that they did on offense. But let's let's keep the offensive um, conversation going, Jake. And uh, this is uh, let, allow me to put out my soapbox for a minute uh, and and climb on. And uh, you know, I've got I have something to say about Jared Goff. And um, if anybody's been you know following along on Twitter, we've we've been having this debate for the last I don't know twenty four hours here, or maybe eighteen hours, whatever it is, uh, as as we record in the morning here. Um, Jared Goff had a good game. Okay? Really Jared good Goff game. went thirty two of forty three for four hundred and twenty four yards, two touchdowns. Zero interception passer rating, which everybody likes to look at, is 120.7. It's hard to do a whole lot better than that. Um, he, he did have some throws where he was off a little bit. He only got sacked once. He looked comfortable in the pocket. And he had a good game. And this is where I have a little bit of an issue with um, fans who who get after Jared. We've talked a lot about Jared Goff this year. And Jared Goff has not had a good year, and he's been a part of a Rams offense that has not had a good year. And that includes the offensive line. That includes the running backs. That includes, I would even say, Coach Sean McVay in, in a large extent. And But I, I just think it's it's a little disingenuous, even if you are Jared Goff's harshest critic, um, to not give him some credit. 
And, you know, we, we all in various ways are, are kind of touched by the entertainment industry. And, you know, there, there's such a thing as fair criticism. You, <laughs> you can look at somebody and say, I don't think that's particularly good or that's not, you know, maybe you look at an actor and say, eh, you know what? I don't think that's a good actor or an actress or a comedian. Eh, that person's not really funny, but if they do something good, if even if you don't like the person, if they do something good, I, I think it's only fair to say, you know what? That was good. That, that was a good performance. Uh, whether you're a quarterback or, or whatever, you might be a singer, a band, whatever. That was a good performance. I enjoyed that. And and I, it's just it's a little bit startling to me that the people seem to have made up their minds so fiercely uh, on Jared Goff that that the reaction to Jared Goff's good game is, oh well, Arizona's pass defense is terrible, and that that's the only reason you know. And Arizona's pass defense is terrible that's there's no question about that they're they're awful they're they i don't even like their scheme never mind how they execute it i i just i don't think it's a very good defense in, in general but uh but beyond that jared goff had a good game you, you can look at uh, you know people say oh jimmy garoppolo did this against the defense well jared goff put up 424 yards that's more than any quarterback has put up against that arizona defense this year so I'm not sitting here saying that everything is okay with Jared Goff now, that, you know, he's back to being elite quarterback. All I'm saying is you got to give the guy credit for a good game. You, you, we can continue to talk about his development and what he's doing right, what he's doing wrong, what he needs to do better. Like, that's all legit, and, and we will continue to talk about that for a while. But the guy had a good game, Jake, and, and I just uh, – it would be nice if we could at least – in these troubled times, <laughs> it would be nice if we could at least all agree uh, on that for, for one day. Yeah, and Goff also – had a really nice lead block in the third quarter, which yeah. came out of nowhere. It looked like Robert Woods may have been kind of trapped on the left side. Then he reversed to the other side of the field and Goff laid a nice block down there. Ended up being a 48-yard gain by Robert Woods. So he was kind of doing it all. And Woods said after the game that he that he trusts Jared uh, in, in his blocking ability and even up 20 to nothing, he was able to, you know, kind of put his body on the line to try and get some extra yardage. But I think the two things that really hindered Jared Goff and his perception in the public is the fact that he was a number one overall pick and the contract that he received this past offseason, the $110 million sure. guaranteed money. Those two things are hurting him. And I think that they could hurt anybody when you when you take a look at what people expect you to do and I think anything short of to make a basketball reference anything short of LeBron James when you're a number one overall pick is right. a disappointment to some people and that's unfortunate and it's an unfortunate burden for Goff to have to carry pretty much the the rest of his career depending on how it goes so when he has a game like this, and yes, it is a good game, I think a lot of people are going to say, well, yeah, we expect him to play this way, especially when we're, when the Rams are paying him all this money, and especially against an Arizona Cardinals team that isn't very good. So it's sort of a lose-lose, and you could even look at it from a broader perspective of the Rams are supposed to win this game against a weaker opponent they're supposed to win it handily, so you can say, yay, they won, yay, it was a commanding victory, but on the other side, okay, yeah, we expected it. So it's 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 a tough spot to be in for, for a guy like Jared Goff or a guy like Baker Mayfield, where you immediately, as the number one overall pick, have the spotlight on you at all times, and so your game is going to be picked apart and measured and it's going to be excruciating to try and weather that storm. I, I think Jared has done a, a really decent job at getting up in, in, in front of the cameras and answering you know, tough questions and, and getting through it as, as well as he has at such a young age. I mean, he's only 24 years old. So imagine dealing with all of that, the pressures of the NFL – and all of that at, at one time. I'm not making any excuses for him because when you are that guy 
all of this stuff you know is going to come with it. You have all these responsibilities and you know the pressure is going to be on. But I, I kind of want to see if maybe people can look at it from a different perspective and say, yes, we expect him to be the best he can be or, or to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. But you got to consider all of these factors when you take a look at him. Yeah, for sure. And and nobody, by the way, is in you. You've said this, but just to reiterate, I mean, nobody's feeling sorry for Jared Goff. Nobody's saying that you should have pity for him. Oh, my, you know, no. so, so so terrible that the hundred and ten million dollar quarterback is having to deal with criticism. That's not it at all. And he should deal with the criticism when, you know, when when you take charge of a team, when when you have that kind of salary, certain things are expected. You, you have to have good play. Uh, from from your top salaried players in a salary cap league that's just how it goes if, if you're giving that much money to people who aren't producing then you're going to have a lot of problems um, but it, it's also goes beyond Jared too and to talk about again to circle back to fair criticism I mean there were people myself included who were critical of Sean McVay last week and said you know he just he didn't put that team in in good position I, I didn't like the play calling uh, this week, I thought it was a lot better. You know, he there, there were a couple plays that that everybody <laughs> the, the bubble screen on on third down I know is something that's that's causing a lot of uh, <laughs> angst and, and I get that. But in in general, he put Jared Goff in positions to succeed, and and that's what you need to do with your quarterback. I, I hate to fall back on this cliche, but you know, any good coach will tell you. I've, I've heard Wade Phillips say this any number of times. Is you, you don't try to fit your players in your system. You fit your system around your players. Mm. And you, you look at what their strengths are and what they can do, what they can't do. And, and I thought in this game, uh, Sean did a good job, uh, you know, knowing Jared and knowing what he could get from his offensive line. Uh, I, I thought the, des- the design was good early on. You know, they were under center a lot, running some play action. The Arizona was biting on, on pretty much all of it. Uh, he got the tight end involved. He even got, you know, Todd Gurley involved a little bit, um, threw a 20 yard pass to him and, and ran the ball. Todd Gurley ran the ball 19 times. So they had some decent balance. So uh, I say that only to, to, reiterate that you know it's it's fair criticism i mean sean McVay not very good last week sean McVay this week pretty good and and i think it's okay to say that about jared goff too he might come out and and be awful next week and and we'll talk about that and say <laughs> hey you know what jared goff wasn't very good but uh, i think it's okay for one week to sit here and say yeah you know what he's he's had a tough run recently uh but but he was pretty good this week so uh, we'll see where it goes uh you know the, is the offensive line going to hold up i i don't know uh i do still think that's a lot of of jared goff's issue is uh you know whether it's the just the real time having to deal with it or or what's in his head in terms of concern about what might happen with the offensive line i mean these are things we're not going to hear from jared because he's not going to criticize his offensive line or throw anybody under the bus but i do still think that that has a huge huge factor in in what he is able to accomplish out there so definitely something to to look at um Arizona defense not good, but even so, I, I said it in my story today that we published on the uh, on the athletic website and and it's on the app too. Uh, you know, give the Rams a B plus on offense. They they uh, you, you mentioned it, Jake. They they struggled early. That was concerning when you had two red zone drives that that only turned in three points. I, I had the same thought you did that. Uh oh, you know this this could be a problem. Uh, but but the defense held firm and and the offense uh, came along. So uh, interesting game and and you know all things said a good performance for the offense. But Jake, I know you you looked into the numbers a little bit deeper. So a, a couple other guys uh, that, that you want to mention? Robert Woods, he had 172 yards, career high for him in, in receiving yards. He had a really nice game, and I think he put the offense in a great position to score. Unfortunately for him though, he still doesn't have a receiving touchdown this year, which is which is crazy to me because he's been one of the focal guys, focal points on offense for Jared Goff and for him not to have a, a touchdown uh thrown to him is is a little is a little strange. He does have one rushing touchdown, so so there is that, but he had a really nice game. The other guy that had a really nice game and I think you, I, I saw you mentioned it on Twitter, Rich. It's the, uh, you, you called it the Tyler Higby game. And, yes. uh, Tyler Higby had a really nice game. He also had a career high for receiving yards and catches with, uh, 107 and seven, respectively. And also 
He had his first touchdown catch since week one against the Panthers. And I thought that McVay going to Higby on a lot of these plays was a really good decision, obviously, because he torched them. And with Gerald Everett being out with an injury and not really knowing what what they had in Johnny Munt, I think that they relied heavily on Higby and he showed up for them. And I think you pointed out in your article, uh, Rich, that the Cardinals don't really have uh, a great answer for tight ends this year. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about Higby is it's kind of been forgotten. I I mean, I remember when he came in as, as a rookie and we watched that guy in training camp and we thought, you know what, that guy could, he, he had an instant chemistry with, with Jared Goff. They were, they were roommates and in, in training camp that year when they came in, uh, they seemed to have something going in training camp. And, and I remember that going into that first season thinking, Hey, you know what? The Rams might have something here in Tyler Higby, and then it just never showed up on the field for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about coaching tight ends to to be able to tell you. But it it just never showed up in in terms of the production or his role in the offense. And and he turned into kind of something else. He turned into you know more of a, a more valuable run blocker uh, than than anything else, which was fine. He had a you know important role in that in that offense and doing what he does. But uh, it to, to kind of almost came full circle to to see that he was able to have a role in the offense and, and catch a touchdown. And there, was, there wasn't anything there from, from Tyler Higby that, that surprised me that made me go, Oh wow. I didn't know he could do that. I mean, I'd seen it at times in, in training camp and in, in practices and things like that. And uh, I, I think that's still a way when, when you talk about this, this Rams offense and, and how it can improve and, how they can make adjustments. Uh, you know, Gerald, Gerald Everett will probably be back at some point, but uh, using those tight ends, I mean, if, if they're, if teams are going to try to lock down those, those, those deep balls and, and, you know, try to take Brandon cooks away, which, which they did pretty effectively and, and, you know, try to keep Robert Woods out of the end zone. Um, you know, why not look at the tight ends, but, but yeah, Jake on, on woods. I mean, it, it seemed very clear from, from early on uh, that, that uh, I don't know whether they saw something particular uh, that, that, that they thought woods could, could expect exploit but even from that first drive uh they, they were they were going at him and uh, 19 targets my goodness mm. i mean the, yeah. jared goff only attempted uh, 43 passes and and he targeted robert woods on on 19 of them and uh, as you said ends up with with 13 catches uh, for for 172 yards uh the other guy todd Gurley. i mean it's goes goes kind of un, unnoticed uh, because we're talking a lot about jared goff and and uh, about the defense, which we will a little bit more. But Todd Gurley goes 19 carries for, for 95 yards uh, and a touchdown and actually had one, uh, w- would have had a, a longer. How, how long was that touchdown that got called back? About 30 yards, yeah. I think, uh, that uh, he, he would have added to the ledger if not for a, another David Edwards penalty. But, uh, but Todd Gurley, effective. You know, a- again, uh, you can talk about the, the Arizona pass defense being pretty awful, but uh, Rams had some nice balance and, and Todd Gurley uh, ha- had some uh, decent runs there, right? And speaking of that balance, Todd Gurley also had 20 yards in, in the passing game as well. And I pointed this out before on the first podcast that we did together, Rich, which was that when Gurley has a more balanced game, the, Ram, the Rams typically win. They are 25 and 14 when he has at least 20 receiving yards and, tw- and 20 rushing yards. And last week, he didn't, he had negative receiving yards and they lost. And I'm not saying that every, every time he does or doesn't do this, they, they win or lose, but it does speak to the more balanced approach that this team thrives on. And talk about Tyler Higby being a, a force in the, the run blocking game. Well, if they're not running the ball or doing it well, then he kind of gets lost, lost in the shuffle. And so with Gurley, I feel like in the last few games, they've kind of relied a little bit more on him and Obviously, that's a good thing because he's one of your horses. He's one of the best running backs in football, and you should be relying on him. And you talked a little bit about your criticisms of McVay. And I think in that uh, Pittsburgh game a few weeks ago, that was one of those games where Gurley was running the ball well. And then in the fourth quarter, they kind of got away from that. And he didn't 
really factor in towards the end and the Rams ended up losing. So not to say that every time you rely on Gurley, the Rams win, but the the numbers do show that you have a better shot at winning. And it, it definitely showed yesterday. Yeah, and it's specifically with that pass game that that you mentioned. I mean, I mean, I don't think there's a magic number. I, I think you have a good number there, and it, it just illustrates that it's it's not always the numbers that you put up, but it's it's putting that thought in the defense's head too. And and we all saw what the Rams did in in 2017 when. Todd Gurley was such a big part of, of that passing game. And it's not only the yards, but it, it's making those linebackers think a little bit more, mm. or even the safeties. You know, what what's going to happen here? Is he going to sneak out? Is he going to catch a pass? Do I need to keep an eye on him? Do I not need to keep an eye on him? And I think too often uh, this season, and even going back into a little bit of, of last season, uh, they probably didn't have to. They probably didn't have to keep as close an eye on him or, or put a spy on him or whatever, because he wasn't really a, a big part of that, of that offense. But, but when he can do what he did yesterday and, and get out there and, and catch that pass and, and turn it into a 20 yard gain. Well, you know, now Seattle's going to have to look at that play and go, okay, you know, is, is that something we have to watch out for? Is he, is he going to be a bigger part of that pass game? And, and I think you could say the same for, for the tight ends too. So I think when, when you talk about balance, it's not necessarily that, you know, you need to get a, a certain number of carries or a certain number of yards or whatever, but it's, it's just having that thought in the defense's head that, that you don't get uh, too one dimensional out there. And, and yeah, it's a great stat, and, and I think it really does speak to the type of balance that, that the Rams uh, need to have. So, um, you know, Seattle is going to be a very interesting game. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later in the week and, and all the matchups and, and everything else and, and how they can do some subtle things differently from, from that first uh, uh, meeting. But, but Jake, let's, let's transition to the defense because that's actually what I wrote about. Uh, last night in my story because I looked at it and I thought as kind of a nod to, to the people who who say, well, Arizona's defense is, is terrible, especially their past defense. I thought, yeah, that, you know, that, that's a legitimate point. And so that's why I say the, the Rams, I think they did what they should have uh, on offense, but I really looked at that defense and it's, you know, not getting a lot of, of talking uh, about just because, you know, Jared had a big game and Robert Woods had a big game and they put up, you know, 34 points for, for the first time in a while. Uh, so obviously kind of that's, that's where the eyes are going to go, but, but that defense had a dominant performance and, and you could kind of see it even early on. I saw the way they were swarming to the ball uh, as soon as, you know, Drake got a couple of those early handoffs. He had about six guys tackling him and I went, okay, these guys, these guys came to play this week. They're, they're not going to mess around uh, with missed tackles or missed assignments or, or anything else. So, uh, just across the board, I, I thought an outstanding job by the defense. Arizona didn't cross the Rams' 40-yard line until uh, early in the fourth quarter, uh, their first drive of the fourth quarter. So it, it wasn't even like they were threatening to, to score for, for most of the game. And they did a nice job on Kyler Murray. I didn't get to see uh, after the game. Kyler Murray came in with a little bit of a hamstring issue. He was on the injury report as questionable, which means, you know, you don't know exactly how serious it is. I, I, it did enter my mind a couple times, you know, is this guy playing hurt a little bit? Uh, because whether it was that or whether it was the Rams defense, you did not see any type of real dynamic plays from, from Kyler Murray, either running the ball uh, or throwing the ball. So they did a very nice job of, of containing him and, and very nice job bouncing back uh, from that uh, Baltimore game. But, uh, you know, Jake, what did you think? It, it, to me, it looked like a, a complete performance. I was I was trying to poke some holes in it and see maybe where, where that defense uh, led up or, or, you know, got exposed a little bit. But, but I really didn't see it. If you could argue that they got exposed, it was probably in the garbage time in the fourth quarter. They right. really were dominant for the whole game. And if even I don't know if Carla Murray was struggling with his hamstring or not, but he did only run the ball four times for 28 yards. So not a really dynamic game from him. And he as a team, they were two for 13 on third down. The Rams just didn't let them have an inch the entire game until the fourth quarter, and at that point, the game was so far out of reach that it didn't it didn't really matter. They sacked Murray six times. 
they were all over the place, swarming. And it wasn't just one guy. It was Aaron Donald. It was Clay Matthews. It was Corey Littleton. It was Dante Fowler. It was Brockers. I mean, it was a complete, yeah. like, didn't matter who it was. It was like these guys were all over them all the time. And uh, congratulations to Taylor Rapp, too, the rookie safety. Yeah. He finally got his first interception. And I say finally because he had two other attempts in the game. One of them he almost caught. And we kind of said to each other in the press box, like, if he had caught that ball, I forget what situation it was, he would have taken it to the house for six. Yeah. And then the mm-hmm. other one he caught, and it was called back for a, a, a penalty. And then the third time, third time's a charm, as they say, he caught he caught the pass in the in the third quarter and ran it in for six. And uh, it was a it was a it was it was a nice moment for him. I talked to him after the game on the field and he was saying that he really was reading Kyler Murray's eyes. And you talk they talk about that all the time when you're playing defense is reading the quarterback's eyes to try to figure out where he might throw the ball. And he was able to he was able to get to it and take it back for for six. And then afterwards, he got the one of the game balls in the locker room. So he did a really yeah. nice job. And this defense was just uh, I, I wrote that it was suffocating because it really was. They couldn't get anything done. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor Rapp. Good, good to see that, uh, you know, at the start of the season. Uh, when Vinny and I did our, our predictions, I think we both predicted Taylor Rapp to kind of be the Rams rookie of the year, which wasn't a slam dunk at that point because Daryl Henderson was getting a lot of a lot of love, a lot of attention. But I, I kind of had a feeling that Taylor Rapp might might find a role in, in this defense. I, I cannot say that I, I knew it would be this big. Uh, obviously, we didn't know, you know, John Johnson was going to have his injury and, and some of the other stuff that was going to go on. But uh, impressive stuff. For, for a rookie, it really is. And and on that interception, uh, you know, it just just a very, very instinctual play. I mean, he, he's coming. He's, he was actually kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. I don't know exactly where he lined up, but but as soon as I saw him in the play, he was kind of, you said it right, he, he was he was looking at, uh, at Kyler Murray's eyes, and, and he saw where the ball was going, and he just kind of half-turned and sprinted back almost uh, because he saw where it was going and, and made an athletic play uh, to, to get the interception and then obviously returns it. So when, when a guy is able to do stuff like that as a rookie, uh, I think that's uh, that's a great sign and, and a great sign for his future too. Curious to see w- where he ends up. I mean, that's not a discussion we need to have right now, but uh, obviously John Johnson will be back and, and he's a huge part of that uh, that, that defense back there. Uh, Eric, Eric Weddle won't be there forever. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle things with Taylor Rapp. He's very good in his role right now, but i um, interested to see how that maybe expands or, or changes in, in 2020 or beyond. But uh, yeah, Jake, I mean, just, just across the board for, for that Rams defense, they only allow uh, 198 yards. And, and as you said, the, the garbage time really was, was when Arizona was moving the ball. They were under 100 yards until pretty pretty far into, into the fourth quarter. So two of 13 on, on third down, only 13 first downs total. They really weren't able to do a whole lot uh, across the board. And, and when I talked to Michael Brockers after the game, uh, he's, he, I, I could see where his head was. He, he didn't want to say kind of like we're, we're, we're supposed to do this, you know, against a team like this. But I, I understood what he was saying. It was that, that 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 should be how they play. And and I think the frustration from that Baltimore game, it wasn't that they had a bad scheme necessarily. I know people were getting after Wade Phillips and, oh, you know, it's just it was terrible defense. But you, you look at some of the mistakes that were made. I mean, from poor tackling to, to miscommunication, how many times? Did you see, you know, linebackers and safeties looking at each other or cornerbacks and safeties looking at each other kind of saying what happened there? I thought you I thought you were going there. I thought I was going there. I saw that a few times. And then, you know, as Jake, as you and I both heard Eric Weddle say last week, there were times they didn't know who had the ball. Uh, they didn't know whether whether Lamar Jackson was handing it off or whether he was running it. And, and I think everything just snowballed in, in that Ravens game. It, it wasn't that they just came in with some terrible scheme and, and had no idea what they were doing. It's just that they really got exposed once they once they got out there on the field. And and really, they, they were a lot more disciplined in this game. I, I thought you said it exactly right. They, they swarmed to the ball. That was one thing. 
that did not happen last week against the Ravens, whether it was Lamar Jackson or Mark Ingram or whoever it was, uh, you know, way too many one-on-one kind of missed tackles or evasion or that sort of thing. In this game, it was even if Kyler Murray slipped, maybe slipped the first guy, there there were two or three other guys coming coming right after him. So uh, very uh, impressive uh, performance by that defense. And Jake, you know, the, the one thing I mentioned in my story is, uh, look, the Rams have played two really, really, really bad defensive <laughs> games. They gave up 55 points to Tampa Bay, and they gave up 45 points to Baltimore. That's 100 points in two games. They've allowed 150 points in the other 10 games. So to me, and I, I know you've watched all these games. You, you've been on the road. Uh, you've seen it. To me, I, I almost shudder to think where the Rams would be right now if, if their defense wasn't as good as it has been. I couldn't agree with you more. Those those two games are outliers, I think. And when you talk about the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to stop an offense when you don't know where the ball is, sure, but they're a, an elite team. They're they're a Super Bowl contending team. They just beat the the 49ers in a really good game. And a lot of people are saying that that could obviously be a, a Super Bowl matchup. But the Tampa Bay game was, was a bit of a head scratcher. And I think that, honestly, if, if you're, yeah, they gave up 55 points, but I think a lot of, a lot of those points that they, that they allowed were because the offense put them in, in bad field position on the other end whether it was a, an interception by Goff or a turnover or a fumble or what have you, they were constantly in bad field position and Tampa Bay was able to exploit that. So you can kind of pick apart those two games as, as outliers, as, as situations that wouldn't normally happen on, on a given Sunday with this defense. And uh, the Rams aren't in this playoff hunt to any degree without this defense and they're not seven and five without this defense. And the offense has very seldom carried the load this year. And yesterday they put up 34 points, but they were able to do that comfortably because of how dominant the defense was. And Kyler Murray and the Cardinals couldn't do anything, couldn't get anything done. So, as as weird as those two games were where they where they surrendered that many points i don't think you can really look at those two games and say that that those teams found holes in this defense that we didn't know were there and they exploited them because you got to give credit where credit is due and you kind of have to look at both games separately because tampa bay obviously isn't a very good team but baltimore is and those those two were weird. I'll just say that that that's my that's my hot take and my analysis on that. Those are weird games. Yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily like the idea of cherry picking games and and saying oh just take those two out because I mean any team can do that and I don't I don't like that argument. You could do the same thing with with players and and I don't think that's right. But and and those are two really bad games. But you look at it, Jake, across the board, the Rams now through twelve weeks. So this is a very large sample size. I mean, they're they're tied for third best in the league in terms of yards per rush against, and they're tied for fifth best in the league in in yards per pass attempt against. So there, it's a top five defense in 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 terms of pass defense and run defense. And and you, I, I agree a hundred percent there with that to take on the Baltimore game is when, when you talk about turnovers and and having to get back on the field right away. I mean, there, there's a certain amount that your offense can do to, to help you out a little bit, if, if nothing else, to just give you a little bit of breather to keep you on the sidelines and on the bench for for a couple extra minutes. And, and the Rams defense just got absolutely no help from, from the offense last week. That, that's not an excuse. They didn't they did not do what they needed to do out there in, in terms of execution and uh, communication and everything else. That, that was not a good game for them. That was a very bad game. Tampa Bay was even worse because, as you said, the quality of opponent was was not what it was. But uh, all things considered, this has been a good defense, and it's been a defense in transition. When you look at, at the way they started the season, 
The secondary is almost completely different. No John Johnson, no Marcus Peters, no Aqib Talib. They they have changed all those guys out either by injury or, or by choice. And they've been able to kind of reconvene here with, with a little bit of a new look secondary and, and kind of figure that out uh, during the season, which is not always easy to do. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. They, they've got some challenges down down the, the, the path here when you talk about Seattle and, and Russell Wilson and uh, San Francisco being able to run the ball that the, the way that they do. Uh, so it's, it's not going to be easy. For, for the for the rest of the season but uh, I think that Rams defense is is going to be huge in terms of determining uh, whether or not the Rams can can get to the playoffs or not and uh, along those lines Jake it's uh, we are recording on on Monday morning here people will be able to listen to it uh, you know hopefully you're, you're listening before this this Monday night football game and uh, it's it is a big one for the Rams because just just to set the table a, a little bit and in case anybody hasn't uh, taken a peek at the standings the Rams did improve to 7 and 5 uh, they are still out of a, a playoff spot um, and they are sitting as we talk now they're they're sitting uh, a game and a half behind Minnesota for what essentially is the second and final uh, wild card spot and and they're sitting two and a half behind Seattle for I guess what you could say is the other wild card spot although Seattle still in contention for the uh, division title also but those are the two teams that that are in the in the immediate view of the Rams and and Jake this is going to get really interesting I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of gritted teeth tonight for for Rams fans because I think that the Rams fans need to cheer for Seattle oh, yeah. um, Definitely. because there, there's there's a segment out there that says, no, you know, hey, if, if Seattle loses this game and then the Rams beat them the following week, then, you know, the Rams are, are you know, right there. The Rams are, are eight and five. Seattle is nine and four. And then, hey, you know what can happen over the last year? Like, I get that. And and there, I think there's a there's a little bit of a pride element uh, for, for some Rams fans who either a don't want to cheer for the Seahawks or B would rather kind of chase them down and in and, and, and their hopes. But Jake, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, Minnesota's eight and three right now. Okay. If, if they lose to Seattle, they're eight and four. Uh, their remaining schedule, Minnesota's remaining schedule is Detroit, the Chargers, Green Bay, and Chicago. Uh, Green Bay is going to be a tough game. That Chargers, the, the Chargers, man, they just, they cannot <laughs> help themselves. But they're not a bad team. I mean, you, you can see Minnesota coming into. To, to the Chargers and, and losing that game. So it, let's look at it realistically, Jake. I, I think your most optimistic scenario probably for the Rams is to finish three and one, which would put them at 10 and six. So you, you either need to get, you need to get one of those other two teams to at least drop to 10 and six. And, and I just think looking at it realistically, Minnesota is more likely to fall to 10 and six uh, than Seattle mm. is, but but am, am I taking the the conservative view on that? Should 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 I be more bold, or I mean, what what's the realistic path here if if you're talking about the Rams in the playoffs? I think that you should always try and catch the team that you're closest to in the standings. Right. But I understand the argument the other way, which is fans that don't want to root for Seattle. You also play Seattle next week, so you can control that in a sense. Of if you right. beat the team, you you know you obviously gain a game right there instead of trying to wait and see if the Vikings lose. You don't play the Vikings, so you kind of have to hope and pray that that they're going to falter. But yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be in. It's 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 not it's not entirely like if you're a, a Dodgers fan rooting for the Giants. But it's it's kind of in that same maybe maybe the Dodgers Giants is is more akin to the a Rams fan needing to root for the 49ers. And and maybe the Seahawks is is more like rooting for the Angels or the D-backs or something like that. But it, right. it's 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 tough. It's tough to root for a team that's within your division that you're that you would like to be better than. But I think at this point, Monday Night Football. Rams fans should be rooting for the Vikings. Right, because you look at Seattle. We went, we went through Minnesota's schedule there. I mean, after tonight, uh, Seattle plays the Rams next week, and then they finish with Carolina, 
Arizona, San Francisco. And I'm looking at that going, Mm -hmm. Seattle should be able to take care of Carolina and Arizona. And then depending on how things go, I don't know how much meaning that final week game is going to have to the 49ers. If they keep winning, though, I mean, obviously they had a setback this week, but but if if they finish strong and they've already wrapped up the division or maybe even wrapped up a a first round bye, I don't know how much motivation they're going to have in in that final week game uh, against Seattle. So I'm looking at Seattle sitting at, at, you know, two losses right now. And I'm going, if you think they're somehow going to drop to, to 10 and six or, or even to 11 and yeah. five, uh, that's, that's a tough bet. So I, I think statistically and even, you know, kind of in the real world, uh, if you're a Rams fan, you're just going to kind of have to hold your nose a little bit and, uh, and hope that uh, Seattle can, can take down Minnesota. I, I, Jake, I don't know if you've seen a lot of Minnesota. I'm not, I'm not particularly impressed. I mean, they're eight and three. You don't get to eight and three by by accident. But they're not a team that I've watched and said, "Oh my gosh!" You know, they're they're absolutely headed to the playoffs. They're just beating the pants off of everybody. Uh, I, I could easily see them, you know, losing three of these last. Uh, five games and and then maybe it even gets to a tiebreaker scenario so is it crazy jake i mean to even be talking about i I basically wrote the story last week that said the ram season was over and here i am (laughs) talking about the playoffs so i i I must be i don't know what my problem is but is is it even realistic to to be talking about this i mean do do you think that uh, that the rams are in a position to to even win three out of their last four or is that even just a pipe dream right now i think it is crazy rich um, <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, I think it is crazy when you look at the the chances of all these ha- all these all these stars aligning uh, for the Rams to make it to the playoffs. But yeah. until they're mathematically eliminated, you got to look at the scenario and see how they can have a pathway forward. You said that the Rams could potentially go three and one. Where do you think that loss is coming from? Is it coming from Seattle or is it coming from the 49er game? Do you think? I, yeah, I think more realistic, more realistically, San Francisco. I, I, I'm just looking at the next two, and I'm going. I, I don't think Seattle is an easy out by any means. I think, in in some ways, I think they're a scarier team than the 49ers. Um, I just the things that they can do. I, I I'm I'm a fan of of Seattle and, and how they uh, play. I'm not a Seahawks fan, uh, but I, I appreciate watching them and and the things that they do. So in, in some ways, I, I think they're even a scarier team than, than the 49ers. But based on those first two matchups, uh, you know, I, I hey the Rams went up to Seattle and they lost by one point, and then they had the ball you know on their foot with with a chance to win it and and easily right. could have. So I wanted to ask I, I don't you, think Rich, you, uh, hmm? with that. With that game, do you would you feel more confident going into this next game against Seattle had the Rams beaten the Seahawks in week four? Not necessarily, uh, because I, I think the game was right there. I mean, they, they were in a position to win it. You can't, uh, I don't put it on Greg Zerline and say he cost them the game, but, you know, uh, you take away that field goal and they, they were both right there. I, I mean, they, they, it was competitive. Uh, the Rams were up there in a tough environment and hung in there and, and you know, drove down the field with the chance to to win the game. So I, I, the, the fact that the field goal, you know, ended up going, what, I don't know, 10 inches with the wrong way, I, it didn't really change the way that, that I felt about the, the outcome of that game. Um, but we'll see. And, and then Dallas, you know, look, yeah, Dallas. You know, the, you a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago, I looked at you. Know, uh oh, you know, the Rams have to go to Dallas, and ooh, that's. And now you look at it, and geez, I mean, they're just they're just they're playing hot potato there in the NFC East. Nobody wants to win the thing. They're just <laughs> they're handing it back and forth to each other, and then they both look they all look terrible. But uh, but Dallas has has been pretty bad. So so and then Arizona again in the final week. So I I, I agree. If I, I would I bet money on it? No, I would not. Uh, but uh, there's there's a realistic path to saying yeah they they could beat Seattle they they could beat Dallas they could beat Arizona uh, I I don't really see necessarily the San Francisco game but hey you get yourself to ten and six and 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 who knows so uh, but again you, I I think Jake you you started it perfectly the, the episode so uh, you know fair to end it this way too is you, you don't want it you don't really want to end up in this position because uh, the Rams. They need help, and that's not the position that you want to be in mm-hmm. in December. Uh, you you don't want to go out on the field looking at the scoreboard and saying, "Oh, geez, I really hope you know the Lions beat the Vikings next week." I mean, that's not that's not the position uh, that you want to be in. But but that's the position that, that the Rams have put themselves in right now, and can't change that. You can't change it, and I think tonight we all have to. Uh, what, what do they call it up there in Seattle? Be the twelfth man. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as tough as yeah, a pill, really. as tough as a pill is that to swallow. Honestly, I think yeah. that that's 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 what needs to happen. And uh, yeah. I, uh, it's 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 a tough it's a tough path forward. But like I said, it, it, until until the Rams are mathematically eliminated, you still you still have to have that that hope that some something could go right. But it's. It's not looking great. No, it's not. But it'll be an interesting week, and and we'll come back on on Friday and and really you know take a deeper dive into that game and and preview it from 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 all sides and uh, make our predictions and stuff like that. It'll be a fun week. It's a fun sports week. You know, the I mean, obviously the basketball teams are doing really well. Uh, the Clippers are rolling. The Lakers had their their win streak uh, ended, but uh, you know, in, in between now and and Friday. I uh, encourage everybody to uh, check out some of our other podcasts. We, we have a couple great ones uh, on the Forum Club. That's uh, our home for, for our Lakers and uh, podcasts. And, and uh, Bill Orem and, and Brett Dawson have basketball reasons on, on Thursdays. And then the Kamenetsky brothers have the Magic Hour. That one just dropped today. I'm not listening to it yet because the, the Kamenetskys are, are awesome on their pop culture stuff. And, and I know they did a whole segment on the Irishman. And uh, I have not had hmm. six and a half seven eight hours uh, to, to carve out to, to watch that movie yet so so i'm not going to get spoiled but uh but as soon as you as soon as you watch the movie uh then then go jump on and and check out uh, andy and brian because they're they're a lot of fun and uh, do a great job of breaking down the uh, the lakers and uh after you get done listening to that of course turn into cbs2 los angeles and uh, jake and and all of his uh colleagues there do a great job of of covering the rams covering sports in Southern California and and news Jake you were up there in the 909 I think uh, <laughs> in the snow uh, that, that looked like it was a lot of fun oh yeah that was a great time I was uh, I was freezing cold up there in the in the snow up there in running springs it's a really interesting life that I have where I'm up there stuck up in the mountains there we uh, had some troubles with some chains on our live truck tires and and then I fly to Arizona and watch a football game so it's a uh, it's a it's an interesting life, um, but I, I do want to say that uh, if you guys need to need to find us on CBS two for Sports Central every night on uh, Channel nine uh, weeknights it's ten forty five p.m. on Channel nine and then on Sundays we have a a bunch of shows we've got a four thirty show on Sunday on CBS two that's a that's an hour show. And then uh, at 10.30, we have Sports Central on Channel 9. And then 11.30, we have another episode of Sports Central on CBS. So you guys can uh, check us out there. Absolutely. That's what I do. It's it's a great team. Uh, you know, headed up, of course, by Jim Hill, oh, a yeah. legend. And uh, and then uh, Jake's been an awesome addition to, to that team. And, and they really do a great job of, of not only covering the Rams, but uh, but Southern California sports in, in general. They've got it all covered. So keep it on Channel 2 for sure. And also follow along on Twitter. Jake's a, a great follow on Twitter at Reiner underscore Jake, R-E-I-N-E-R underscore Jake. I am at Rich underscore Ham and we'll have uh, updates from from practice this week we'll see uh how things are going out there and uh see how the rams are looking forward to that big game against the seahawks this coming weekend so thanks everybody for joining us thanks as always for your uh, great comments and and feedback if you have questions if you have uh, things you want to hear please feel free to reach out to either one of us let us know uh, what you think thanks for all your great comments on on things like itunes and and the ratings we we do appreciate that and uh thanks for listening and, and thanks for all your support so we will be back with you on Friday to preview that big Rams Seahawks game. So Jake, thanks a lot. And uh, we will talk to everybody on Friday. Great. Thanks, Rich.